You're listening to episode 76 of the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Hey, we're Sub Radio. You're listening to the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Here's your host, Suze, founder of the Rockstar Advocate. Hello, you're listening to episode 76, Musicpreneur Spotlight, Jordan Valeriat. I'm your host, Suze, a mindset coach helping music professionals get clear on their goals and find the time to get it all done while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. As I said on episode 75, throughout the month of January, each new episode on this podcast will feature a spotlight on another music industry expert. I usually keep it to interviewing only musicians, but I wanted you to start this year off with some amazing tips from people who help musicpreneurs just like you make money from their craft on the daily. This week features an incredibly talented producer-engineer turned full-fledged entrepreneur, Jordan Valariot, also known as J-Val. Jordan professionally produced and mixed records for almost a decade and then decided to form Hardcore Music Studio, a website and YouTube channel to help engineers in the rock and metal genres improve their craft. Since then, he's built a business that grosses over $1 million in sales by helping entrepreneurs of all backgrounds build their online businesses, mainly through video courses. We're talking multiple six or seven figures per year by teaching, training, and coaching online to various niche markets. Always remember, the riches are in those niches, guys. He's gained knowledge in sales funnels, email marketing, online ads, and more to deliver his knowledge to an audience that is hungry for it. While that doesn't have to be you, perhaps you want to stick strictly to music and that's 1000% okay, I think it's important to hear what Jordan has to say in regards to selling to your audience and building that no-like trust factor that he now so effortlessly builds with his online community. It's that trust that enables him to sell to his audience time after time because he delivers real value to them and he's super clear on why he wants to help them. This can translate into any market, especially music. The purpose of this podcast is to get you thinking more like an entrepreneur so that you can scale and grow your income streams as a musician or industry professional. And after speaking with Jordan, I couldn't wait to share what we discussed with you. So let's get right to it and be sure to visit the show notes, therockstaradvocate.com forward slash EP76 for links to his amazing podcast, free downloads, and more that we'll share in this episode. Here we go. All right, so Jordan, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm so excited to dive in. Yeah, me too. Thank you for having me. It's uh, I'm really excited to talk about this stuff. Yeah, one of the things I love the most about what you do is, you know, you're somebody who has such a, a vast experience in the music industry, but you've completely embraced the entrepreneurial world. And here at the Rockstar Advocate and the Musicpreneur Mindset, we that's what we try to share with musicians is really getting into that mindset and seeing yourself as an entrepreneur. So I'm curious what, I mean, I, I, there's so much I want to dig into here, but first I'm just curious about your overall journey from being a music producer and engineer and mixer, and then to taking on this full throttle entrepreneur empire that you've built, which is really impressive. Kind of walk us through that whole transition and how that all came to be. Yeah, so I started out with my own recording studio. Uh, it was like my dream to make records in the studio full time. So to record bands, I was also in bands kind of growing up all through my teen years, and I just fell in love with the studio. So ended up uh, starting my own recording studio, just like a really small DIY kind of space, and slowly and steadily just 
kind of grinded away at it in the beginning, just trying to teach myself. Did an internship at a bigger studio where I learned a lot and uh, eventually went full-time. I think that was in 2008, I went full-time in my recording studio. So I kind of took that leap and, you know, I was I was working hard. I was recording any band I could. I was trying to do the best job I could um, with every single project in the studio. And eventually that paid off. Some of the bands that I worked with ended up getting picked up by smaller record labels and then management and kind of going on tour. And that kind of helped my word of mouth and they, they would refer me to other bands and I started getting, you know, label projects and it was, you know, over the course of years, but eventually, um, kind of built up uh, a good client roster and, um, discography in the, in the heavy music niche. Anyway, that's kind of, uh, the types of bands I was recording. So yeah, I did that for almost, I think about eight years full time. And honestly, I got to the point where I was just like, I was burnt out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, I had spent so many years working almost seven days a week, uh, long days, like 10, 12 hour days, sometimes more than that, depending on the project and the band. And at first it's like, at first I didn't mind it at all because I was living my dream, right? But after a few years, I started to wear on me and I, I certainly wasn't, you know, taking proper care of myself or my schedule or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I just started getting burnt out and just looking for other opportunities. And funny enough, I actually started an app business with my brother-in-law and we put out these like silly iPhone games. And <laughs> uh, yeah, one of them ended up taking off and um, we started making uh, pretty decent money at it. it became a, a six-figure business uh, in under two years, like probably a year and a half. We definitely caught some lucky breaks and kind of rode the wave a little bit. Um, but that just totally shook up my world because all of a sudden I had this experience of going from earning my living by basically grinding it out 12 hours a day in the studio every day mm. to having a business where I literally one, a couple mornings I would wake up and I would look at our app stats from the day before and be like, Oh my gosh, I just made more money while I was sleeping that I'm about to go make in this next 10 hours in the studio. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was kind of like when this thing shifted and I discovered entrepreneurship really, because sure I was self-employed, but I just, I had just created a job for myself essentially. Right. So that's when I discovered like, man, I can actually have these other types of businesses where there's potential for income that's not attached to my time. And yeah, that really just opened up the doors to entrepreneurship for me. And through that, just reading books, listening to podcasts, I came across the opportunity for, uh, or I saw that people were creating their own online courses and doing really well with them. And so, yeah, long story short, I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to try this. So I followed a process that someone was teaching on how to launch a course and it worked. <laughs> and uh, I've been doing that for, you know, uh, almost five years since then. So that's hopefully that wasn't too long of a story, but that's kind of the. Uh, yeah. No, it was great. Yeah. One of the things that, that you said, which I thought was super interesting and, and what we try to convey here is that you know, you are a freelancer, but then you could see yourself as an entrepreneur. And there is a distinction there, especially around the mindset of it. And so I'm curious when you, when you realized that you could make the money while you were sleeping and you could grow these passive income streams, was it hard for you, especially coming from the music industry to, to trust that? Or was there guilt around it? Especially since we're so used to, as you said, you're no stranger to working hard, those 12, 16 hour days, of just hustling and grinding and all of that stuff. 
was that transition? Did you just like jump on it and say, okay, I'm going and trusting this fully? Or was there any resistance there as you began to explore that there were other ways? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think, I think there was some resistance under the surface. Um, you know, I definitely just from the way I came up in the studio world, um, it was totally through working hard and, and that's how I, you know, made my way. And I do think there's a time and place for that. Um, but honestly, I think it was just once the proof started happening. So it's not like I just, uh, yeah, I I certainly didn't have this aha moment where I was like, Oh, I'm going to create an app business or a course business and cut off everything else and just jumped right in. Like there was, I kind of bridged the gap, right? Like I was creating these apps in the morning before going to the studio for the day, stuff like that. Um, but once, yeah, it was honestly, once I saw that proof where I was making more income passively from the apps than from the music world, it's like, it's hard to deny that when it's right in front of your face. So I think that really kind of shocked me out of that kind of hustle first mindset. However, I don't want to say that I'm like totally past that. I think even to this day, like I still, you know, have to consciously be aware of where I tend to just default to hard work or when I think, okay, I want different results. I want better results. Therefore I'm just going to work harder. Right. And that's usually not the answer. So I I still, to this day, have to be conscious and work on that. I absolutely feel you on that. I feel like when you come up in this industry, it's very hard to rewire that belief. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I absolutely feel that. Um, as, as you were building your passive income streams and you were stepping more into the entrepreneurial world, I, I was just talking to somebody earlier today about this, about all the different, like for me, I, I was always very confident in everything that I knew about the music industry. Like I had studied it for years. I had worked in it, but then I had, I just assumed that that was the same thing as understanding business. And then my eyes were open to this whole entrepreneurial world and realizing I knew nothing when it came to email funnels and building your list and automating certain things and creating webinars and getting people to the webinars and this whole other world of skill sets that aren't exactly connected to the music industry, but if we understood them could definitely help people as you yourself help people do learn how to monetize their skill sets in the music industry. What was that journey like for you? So now you've gone from creating apps to now creating courses that are making real money and doing webinars and, and evergreen content and all of that stuff. I mean, was that world completely new to you or were you familiar with it before? Like, what was that like? It was totally new to me, basically from creating apps. I think, I'm trying to think of how I first got introduced to it, but the first book I read was called Launch by Jeff Walker. Love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, w- I remember um, we were traveling at the time and I was reading that book and that I think that was like pretty much the, it was either that or the Smart Passive Income podcast where I started hearing about people selling online courses in these crazy different niches. And so I picked up that book and I read it and I was like, man, this seems really interested. Or sorry, interesting. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try this out. I'm just going to follow exactly what he says in this book, like to a T and see if I can launch a course. And funny enough, my first idea was not to do a music production course. It was to do actually an app business course, mm. basically how to create your own apps. Um, and I kind of struggled there for maybe a month or two. I didn't, I didn't try that long, but I tried to build an audience and, you know, make a Facebook page and email list and in the app world. And it just was gaining no traction. So I kind of stepped back and was like, you know what, where is all of my credibility? Where do I have kind of an audience already? Where is my true expertise? 
And that was totally a music production. That's what I had spent like 10 years doing. I knew I was good at it. I knew I could teach it easily. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to launch a mixing course first to see if this whole online course launch system is real and see if it's actually a real thing. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, it was pretty much just honestly following that one book, maybe a couple other free podcast episodes that I had heard implementing it all really quickly. And yeah, I remember thinking if I sell five copies of this mixing course, I'll consider it a success and ended up selling uh, 28. So it just like that totally changed my path. But, right. And from there I just went, you know, deep into the rabbit hole of just learning from anything and everyone I could. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, under one of your businesses, hardcore music studio, um, you've yeah. got some amazing offerings like a monthly membership. You have courses on tracking, mixing, editing. So yeah. how did you go about compiling all these? Did, did you, you know, build them at once? Did you do them one at a time? What, led you, I know you said you based it in your expertise and I'm sure a lot of these came from the common, common questions you would hear from your peers or in the studio, but what, how did you get to the point where you are now with these courses and the membership program? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'll kind of take you back to kind of the behind the scenes of what had happened leading up to launching this course. And that was that I, as a passionate recording engineer and producer, I was active in these communities online, right? So message boards, forums. Um, these days it's more Facebook groups, but back then it was... Mess- mess- right. <laughs> yeah. So yep. I was a person who had already spent years basically in these um, heavy metal and rock mixing message boards where I would just like engage in these threads and give my advice and say, uh, you know, help people with their problems like mixing recording wise. And when I was doing that, I had no intention of ever releasing a course or anything. I was just engaging because I loved it, right? Um, so from that experience of just years of engaging with other up and coming engineers online, I kind of knew I had a good sense of what their problems were. And I knew that most people wanted to learn about mixing. So out of all the disciplines like editing, recording, production, I knew that mixing was kind of the thing that people really wanted help with, or at least that they were interested in watching content about. So that's why I kind of decided, okay, I'm going to, I think I'm going to do a mixing course. That's going to be my best bet uh, to start out. Um, it was also the easiest thing to produce because essentially all of my mixing is done on the computer. So I don't have to like have a film crew or really film anything in person. I could just get a screen recording program on my Mac, hit record on my screen and just walk through my project. Right. Mm -hmm. So that made it really simple as well. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of understanding what the potential audience was really struggling with and wanting to learn about and then finding the easiest path to actually teaching them something. Um, but I did definitely go a step further than that. I just, I basically started out by giving away a drum sample for free that they could download and use in their mixes that got them onto my email list. And through my email list, I sent, um, a couple surveys, which basically asking what's your biggest problem with mixing. And so I would get people to tell me what they were struggling with. And that essentially became the talking points for selling, both selling my course and then also what I taught inside it. That's fantastic. And, and what I love about it too, is that, you know, through this whole journey from the story that you're sharing with us, some of the biggest takeaways that are coming out to me, and I hope our audience is taking note because uh, we talk about this a lot on, on this podcast is number one, you used your resources at your disposal. You know, you didn't say, oh, I got to buy all this new equipment. And obviously you had to purchase some stuff, I'm sure. But it wasn't like, oh, I can't do this yet because I don't have all this fancy stuff. You 
understood your audience's pain points because you are somebody who engages and gets in the conversations. And what I really like is that you kept it pretty niche. Um, you know, you're not out there trying to teach hip hop producers, although I'm sure they could gain a few things from your courses, but you knew your expertise, you're a rock metal producer. That was your background, that that is where you focus. And I think a lot of people are afraid to niche down, but as they say, the riches are in the niches. Um, totally. and, and so is that something that you kept in mind when you did it, or was it more just, this is what I know. So this is what I'm going to teach. And this is who I'm going to market it to. Um, I mean, it was a bit of both. I mean, in a sense, that was what I knew best. You know, I'd worked on some pop and hip hop stuff, but very, very limited. I certainly would not consider myself an expert engineer in those areas, but it was definitely in the rock and metal world where I had my experience and expertise. And so, yeah, I, I really definitely decided to stick to that niche in the beginning and even to this day in that business. Um, that The other thing, too, is like, that's where I had all my credibility. So I like to talk about this concept with my students, my audience called uh, low hanging fruit. Mm. And so rather than thinking like of all these crazy ideas and starting from scratch and something like what, how to get started is like, what's your low hanging fruit. And for me it was, well, I've produced some records in this little niche that if I just name these bands, there's certain people who are going to recognize those bands. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they're going to pay attention to me or be at least be more likely to pay attention to me. Versus if I came out with like how to do hip hop or basically how to produce any kind of music, it's like 99% of people wouldn't know who the heck I was, right? <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it's kind of just going all in and on, on um, you know, the, the path of least resistance, the low hanging fruit that's already right in front of you. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because I, I often have to turn people away from my courses. And even in some of my webinars, like you're talking about, right at the start, I say, Hey, if you're a hip hop producer or you're working on electronic music, like you might learn something here, but this is actually not for you. And I've actually recommended people not buy my courses because they weren't a good fit within that niche, which in the long run, that just builds trust. You know, you never know what's, what's going to come of that stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, after, after seeing everything that it is that you offer, I mean, you've got your incredible, podcast, um, you and your business, which I highly suggest our listeners go and subscribe to because there's so much you can learn, you know, ev everything you teach. Like I know some of our listeners might not know these names because they, they haven't been introduced to the entrepreneur world as much, but Zach Spuckler and Bobby Klink and, you know, these people who I've heard on Amy Porterfield's podcast and Marie Forleo and these real heavy hitters that have just created such wonderful uh, resources out there. I loved your conversations with them and the fact that you share certain topics about how you can really build income streams that are, you know, like you said, without burning yourself out, without working so hard, because sometimes the harder you push, <laughs> it's not, it doesn't mean that that's how you're going to get your better results. So I really like the topics that you talk about. And when did you feel, was there a certain point where you were like, I'm going to now start to build resources outside of just the music industry and really expand this into the entrepreneur world. How did that kind of come about? Yeah, it's, it's honestly been on my mind for a couple of years now. It's just like as, as soon as I discovered this world and started, you know, creating courses, selling them, hearing the feedback from my students, getting in touch with other online business owners who were doing similar things and other niches. Um, I, I just fell in love with this whole world. It's like, you know, producing music was my first love and my first passion. And then 
you know, building online businesses is my second one. So it's just a total passion of mine. And I, I, I knew, I'd say honestly, like three, four years ago that I wanted to help other people do this same thing to be able to teach others online and make a great income from it that, you know, didn't require all these long hours and hustling. And it was just kind of a matter of time of just similar to the music world is I want, I wanted to make sure this wasn't just a fleeting opportunity or fleeting passion. You know, I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm going to really work hard on this business on the music side and build it up to something that is sustainable and consistent and, you know, then slowly start, um, helping other people do the same thing. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I've just kind of started uh, taking small groups of students through my process of creating and launching their first online course. And obviously the podcast, like you mentioned. And um, yeah, so that that's kind of how that came about. I've been wanting to do it for years and it's just this year, it's just felt like the right time. It just felt like something I needed to, I needed to share to continue being authentic, you know, and that's the beauty about this type of business and building an audience and relationships with your audience online is that yes, they signed up because they wanted to hear about whatever guitar, piano, or in my case, mixing, but they stick around because of who you are and they just, they know you, they like you, they trust you. And so honestly, like most of the people who have started following my business content and my business courses and podcasts, they're coming over from the music side. Mm, mm -hmm. They're like, Hey, I've been watching, you know, it's like, they're not, you know, they're not dumb. They see what I'm doing, selling these courses. Right. Right. And so when I put something out there, that's like, Hey, if you've been watching what I'm doing and you're interested in learning about it, come over here and talk about it. And some of them do. Do you feel in the music industry, do you feel that there's this move towards more courses and getting more music professionals and, and, you know, musicians themselves teaching others what they've learned and using that as an income stream when people aren't buying downloads, right? They're streaming their music online. I mean, I, I feel what you do, even though you've moved somewhat away from the music industry and expanded to help more entrepreneurs in general, as you said, your music community is following you there because it's so applicable. And I think that's such an important thing to point out that running a business and, and whether you decide to do courses or you decide on different ways to, to, spread your message to your audiences. I think what you teach people is so pertinent for musicians and for people in the music industry because other income streams are kind of dying out. How do you see the music industry kind of shifting these days? Yeah, I've totally seen that. And I see all sorts of different artists and bands doing, um, or yeah, like doing different uh, things to try and generate income. I've seen some bands that even I've worked with and recorded in the past, they're doing tours and doing clinics like guitar, uh, guitar teaching clinics all over the world or running retreats like in-person events where they are they're teaching their instruments mm-hmm. already or they'll be on tour with their bands but on their instagram you know, they'll make posts about hey i'm taking a few uh or i'm going to teach a few drum lessons while we're on tour here Just message me if you want to book it and so what i'm seeing is like i think a lot of artists and bands they have they're kind of they're they've already done or they are doing the the legwork of building the audience and there's people who are following them for their music. And I think inevitably there's going to be people in that group who want to learn at a deeper level about like how they actually learn their instrument and they want to learn from them. And I don't know. I just think, I think that teaching online is uh, for one thing, it's such a massive up and coming market right now. I think it's still going to forecast it to triple to something like 300 billion in the next few years. And so people are hungry for this stuff. It's like, 
they want to choose who to learn from and what they want to learn. So to me, I just think it's just a question of, are you going to be one of the options for them to learn from? And, uh, you know, maybe that's a bit of a tangent, but yeah, I, th- I think that, um, teaching your skill, whether it's in an instrument or maybe it's on the business side of music or something like that, it's, it's a great way to build an awesome income stream and still be doing what you love and take that really passionate subset of your audience with you to a higher level They're where they are, they already want to go there. Right. And it's a way to do that without necessarily, uh, having to fly over, fly over the world and, host in-person events and stuff, which you can do that if you want to, right. but um, doing it online is a lot, a lot easier. <laughs> Absolutely. I love everything you just said. Uh, 100%. It's, you know, a lot of the things that you're, you're saying it, it I, I'm sure it's resonating a lot with our listeners where it's the low hanging fruit, the skills that you already have, the things you already love to do, you know, it's, yeah. you can monetize what you're already good at. It doesn't have to, I, I think a lot of musicians kind of fear, well, I'm already overwhelmed and I'm already trying to work on my album. Like now I got to build a whole other business out of this. And it's, it's really just, as you said, starting with what's in front of you and listening mm-hmm. to the things that you've already been hearing people already ask you about and then, and then allowing it to grow. And then it will, you know, you'll follow where it leads you. But, but the important thing is to start. And, and I just, I'm really inspired by every different stage of your business. You've listen to yourself. You've listened to what the data is showing you. And most importantly, you've listened to your audience and you've been able to, to use what you've got to, to make something really special out of it. And it's, it's not rocket science, but it is a lot of faith and trust in the fact that you, you have what it takes to go make it happen. And then the discipline to go carry it out. And, and I think that that's really important. Oh yeah, absolutely. You ha- I mean, you have to be able to be self-disciplined and, and actually make something happen. You know, ideas are worthless, you know, ex- execution is everything. Mm. Uh, so actually just taking these ideas and actually getting it done. But I think I totally agree with you is that a lot of people get overwhelmed and they think, well, yeah, I want to make a course. I think I could do that, but I don't know how to do a webinar and I don't know how to build an email list and like whatever. And it's like, look, you can, that can be learned in time. It's, it actually doesn't have to be very complicated right. at all. Right. Like it can be literally, if you have an email list or even just a following on your Instagram or Facebook page, put out a couple posts and be like, Hey, uh, I'm thinking about teaching a course, you know, a short course about X, Y, Z. If you're interested, you know, join this Facebook group right. and they join this free Facebook group. You post, you know, some useful advice in there. And then maybe a week or two later you say, Hey, I'm going to do uh, six weeks of live stream calls where I'm going to teach you my process for whatever it is. If it's playing an instrument or doing something on the business side, whatever it is. Um, and then just literally just provide a payment link for them to sign up. And it can be as simple as that. Like you don't have to learn all these advanced marketing strategies right away. Like, again, it's a low hanging fruit. Like, there's probably people in your audience. If you've been doing this stuff for a while, there's going to be people there who, who are, are, they're just waiting for you to put, put it out there. They're just waiting. You just, you just have to do it. I love it. And I also love your online business scorecard. Um, I know how you, you said on your website, find out if you're ready to profit from the skills and knowledge you already have. And yeah. um, I love that you've got that as a download for people. And that will definitely be in the show notes. So I, I do encourage our listeners to go check that out. And one of the other things I thought was really cool was the 40 days um, where mm-hmm. you explain how in 40 days you went from zero subscribers and zero income to earning 10K from your first course launch. And, and I'm sure a lot of that can be applicable to 
an album launch or any product launch. So what made you, what were the, some of the biggest mistakes you were seeing people do that made you decide, okay, I'm going to share this and, and give this as a resource for people to learn? Yeah. The biggest mistake is kind of what I was just talking about is people thinking, thinking that they're starting from scratch when they're really not. And I just, I think I just did a podcast about this. Um, but it's like people, they might think like, okay, I want to start this online business, but oh man, I have to have a thousand people on my email list first. So I got to do that. And in order to get people on my email list, I have to start a podcast or a YouTube channel. And I have to do that for like six months to get anywhere. And you just create this massive mountain in front of them, right? Instead of being like, oh, there's this Facebook group that I've been active in for the past two years and people know who I am there. Maybe I should just make a post there. Yep. Um, and I've seen this, like a difference between some of my students who I'm, you know, teaching this process to and helping them launch their own course is, you know, some of them have, you know, struggled to get their first five and 10 email subscribers where other students are kind of starting from the same point, but they're like, they're getting, you know, hundred, 200, 300 email subscribers, like in, you know, half the time. And the difference is they're just capitalizing on that low hanging fruit. They're using everything they've got, whether it's their personal social media accounts, groups that they're in. Uh, different communities they're engaged with, uh, stuff like that. So that was kind of one of the big mistakes is just I see people just thinking that it has to be this super long, like six-month or year-long process before they can even think about launching a course. And I just thought back to my first launch uh, three years ago or four years ago, and like I said, it was like I, it, I went back and looked at the calendar and looked at all of the stuff that I did, and I was like, wait a second. I actually thought it was 90 days uh, from the idea to launching, it was actually 40 days from deciding I'm going to do a course to getting my first email subscriber to um, closing down the sale and having 10K in revenue. It was so I was like, oh man, this is even faster than I thought. <laughs> and uh, so I thought that was kind of the problem that I was seeing. Uh, I wanted to just prove to people that, hey, this doesn't have to take forever. And I'm going to basically let you read my whole story from start to finish of, of how I did that 40 day launch. Um, but I tried to write it in a way that was really actionable so that it wasn't just about, I did this and then I did this and then I did this. I kind of like, I'm trying to put action steps along the way so that people can learn by example. And I, I don't know, I just decided to do it that way because that's how I've taught my music courses. So rather than creating almost like a classroom style lesson where I'm kind of the teacher at the front saying, you know, here's how to plug in a microphone and you should put it here, like very boring stuff, right? I don't do that. I just, I literally like for my recording course, I got a band to come into the studio. I hired guys to film it and I just recorded that band in real time. Um, and, re- and uh, yeah, put it on video so that people can watch it happen in real time. I think that's such a more, uh, a more powerful way to learn. Right. So I just thought, yeah, ra- why, rather than just teaching, here's how to do, or sorry, here's how to build an audience and launch a course. Why don't I just put out the whole case study of here's exactly how I did it so that someone can take that and use it as a roadmap to do it themselves. I love it. Yeah, I think that's so important. And and when you had mentioned uh, recently speaking about it on your podcast, I was actually listening to that one this morning. And um, I just love the way you the way you teach is, again, one of the other things we value is taking out the overwhelm, breaking things down into really digestible, easy to understand steps and kind of taking you know, taking the complexity out of it a little bit and saying, okay, let's really look at what this really is. And, and here are the steps and let's, you know, it, it's more about taking action and, 
and seeing what happens rather than having all this pressure on it and these expectations and, and all of that. So I, I really love your approach to, to teaching your students. And, um, yeah, I think, I mean, yeah. I would just say something about that too, is like this day and age too, like as more and more people are, people are coming into this world of selling online courses and stuff like that, that whole idea you just mentioned of, uh, solving the overwhelm problem and making sense of, of all the information out there is like, that's just going to become more and more valuable. Mm-hmm. Like if you can take, because people are, the more info that's out there, it's just like, yeah, people are getting information overload, right? <laughs> they, they start getting more confused. But if you can actually teach in a way and share your message in a way that finally simplifies things for them, then they'll follow you for life. Absolutely. And so I want to thank you for, for spending this time with us and explaining this to our listeners. I know you've inspired me. I'm sure you're going to inspire a lot of people listening to this episode. But before we go, nobody leaves here without answering our four rapid-fire questions. Number one, if you could go back and tell your younger self a lesson, what would it be? That you don't have to choose between doing what you love and making a great income. Nice. I wish everybody in the music industry understood that. I wish I understood that in the beginning as well. (laughs) If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, I wish that I could read books 10 times faster because I love reading. I love learning. And, uh, (laughs) and if I could just get all of that knowledge and wisdom faster, that would be awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. If you could invite three musicians living or dead to your place for dinner, who would you invite? Can I can I say like um, a music producer in the yeah. mix there too? We don't discriminate. Okay. So I think the first person would be Chris Lord Algie. He's uh, an amazing mixing engineer. He's he's probably my favorite mix engineer. He's mixed so many hit records and he's still going to this day. He's been doing it for decades. So Chris Lord Algie would be one for sure. Uh, a musician, I would say. Maybe the band MXPX. That was like oh, the first band man. I fell in love with. Yep, I've been to their concerts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> awesome, yeah. <laughs> so probably them. That was like the band that got me into like punk rock, which opened the yeah. door um, to everything else. And a third one, uh, let me think. A third one, I, I think I'd have to reach in the music production world again. Uh, but producer Rick Rubin, I think he's just got, oh, yeah, just the obsessed. the variety of stuff that he's worked on. I mean, working with like artists at the highest level in hip hop, like Jay-Z and then, um, you know, metal bands and stuff. I just think, mm-hmm. yeah, it's amazing. And I've just seen snippets of videos of him uh, of just sitting in the back of the room and just you, sometimes you look at it and you're like, how is this dude lying on the couch, like getting paid to produce these huge records? But <laughs> he's obviously a, a genius there. And um, I'm going to throw in a fourth one because I just thought Ed Sheeran is, is probably my favorite um, mainstream singer-songwriter right now. I think he's one of the most talented songwriters out there right now. So um, that's a bonus, bonus fourth. Absolutely. Wonderful. And our last question is, this podcast is all about taking action and so usually every week I have a worksheet or downloadable checklist for our listeners to take action with. But when we have a guest, I leave it up to the guest to give our listeners an action to take this week. Okay. First action, I would say um, you can go and sign up for my 40-day case study that I talked about at uh, jval, jval.me slash 40, the number 40. And that'll sign you up for like a five-day email sequence, which outlines everything I did there. And then the first action you can take from that 
is going to be finding that low-hanging fruit, whether it's your social media audience or maybe an email list you already have or something like that, and basically taking the next step to bring them into your world and to basically make them say, to raise, your, they raise their hand and say, yes, I want to hear more from you. And I think the most powerful way to do that is to get someone onto your email list if they're not already. So I would say, yeah, just going out to your low-hanging fruit and just putting something out there and say, hey, I want to help people do X, Y, Z. Who is interested? And just seeing what comes back. Absolutely. So everyone, you can go find that in the show notes. We'll have a link to that as well. And I definitely concur there. Go take action and do that. You'll do a great service to yourself. And again, Jordan, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us this week. And I look forward to hearing more and watching more of your great success in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye. So what do you think? Has he inspired you to finally give up thinking that if you want more money, you've got to burn the candles at both ends? Can we finally agree to ease up a bit and focus on getting super clear on what it is we have to offer our audience so that selling it doesn't feel so difficult? Are you curious about creating a video course or maybe writing a book? What's something that people are always asking you? What advice do you always find yourself giving? I'd love to know, even if you aren't looking to create an income stream from it just yet. I'd love to know what your zone of expertise is in. So head on over to the show notes page, therockstaradvocate.com forward slash EP76, and leave a comment letting me know what your expertise is in. Declare it and let's celebrate it. Who knows? You may be sitting on your next big income stream and it may be easier to create and build than you think. Also on the show notes page are the links to everything Jordan mentioned, and be sure to go subscribe to his podcast. You can also find it at jval.me forward slash podcast and access his free 40-day launch case study at jval.me forward slash 40. Finally, as we near the end of January, if you have a copy of the 2020 Rockstar Life Planner, I'd love to know what you think of it. Head on over to Amazon and leave a rating or review, send me a snapshot of it, and I'll send you a discount code for 20% off any product or service that I offer. If you need the link to the planner on Amazon, head on over to the show notes page where you can find everything from today's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in and stay tuned next week to hear from our final guest expert. And I saved one of your favorites for last, Rick Barker. I know he needs no introduction for many of you, but if you happen to not be familiar with him, he once managed Taylor Swift and has consulted contestants on American Idol and more with his expertise on social media and building an engaged audience around your music. So check back next Wednesday for our conversation around fan engagement and why too many musicians feel entitled to have a career in this business. Yeah, we call out some bad behavior on this one. You don't want to miss it. Until next time, Rockstar, have a wonderful week, and I hope to see you back here next week so we can get grounded to get rising. Take care.